Welcome to the 22nd episode of Heavier Than I Look, a podcast dedicated to healing, recovery, and storytelling. My name is Kira Russo, and I am your host. If you feel that listening may aggravate your suffering or complicate your recovery, please take this notice as a trigger warning. Discuss with your support system as necessary, and as always, take what you need and leave what you don't. In 1997, the International Foundation of Gastrointestinal Disorders, the IFFGD, designated April as IBS Awareness Month. During this time, IFFGD works to focus attention on important health messages about IBS diagnosis, treatment, and quality of life issues. We talked pretty extensively about IBS in Episode 19, Gastrointestinal Complications After an Eating Disorder, Yet here's a reminder. IBS sufferers have an altered brain-to-gut connection. They have increased intestinal permeability and dysbiosis, which is imbalanced and unfunctional bacteria in the microbiome. The bacteria of one with IBS aren't functional in digestion, hormonal balance, and metabolism. Additionally, people with IBS have higher levels of anxiety and depression, and IBS is typically associated with psychosocial impairment. IBS sufferers may be more inclined to develop disordered eating as a way to cope with or mitigate against discomfort or pain in their digestive system. Today's episode is dedicated specifically to all those who suffer from IBS. This digestive disorder demands care, and treatment is generally pretty grueling. If you would like to learn more about IBS and how it affects quality of life, feel free to visit aboutibs.org. A quick infographic from IFFGD gives some important insights and numbers regarding IBS life. It reads, Although often trivialized, IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, is one of the most burdensome chronic ailments reported by patients. 10 to 15% of people worldwide have IBS. Individuals with IBS restrict their activities on average of 73 days out of the year. Cost to society in terms of direct medical costs and work absenteeism amount to $21 billion or more annually. On average, it takes more than six years from symptom onset to diagnosis. Less than 50% of people with IBS seek medical care. Approximately 20 to 40% of all visits to gastroenterologists are due to IBS symptoms. That was just IBS at a glance there. Um, But we're here to support and learn about IBS and the people that it affects during IBS Awareness Month this April. BDD, body dysmorphic disorder, is a topic deserving of an episode, given the grip it holds on millions, especially those who have suffered from or who are suffering from eating disorders. Today, we will make sure it gets the in-depth treatment it deserves. Body dysmorphia is a chronic mental health disorder where one is preoccupied with perceived defects and flaws in appearance, those of which are most likely not noticed by others. BDD usually begins during the teen years or early adulthood, 
yet affects men and women almost equally. Body dysmorphic disorder occurs in about 2.5% of males and 2.2% of females. It is characterized by persistent and intrusive worries, embarrassment, shame, and anxieties. Its symptomology includes avoiding mirrors or repeatedly checking the mirror, hiding your body part under a hat, scarf, or makeup, grooming or seeking reassurance, skin picking, intense focus on your appearance and body image, people with BDD frequently attach strong personal meaning to beliefs about their appearance, having perfectionist tendencies, seeking cosmetic procedures with little satisfaction. Interestingly enough, when surgery is perceived as satisfactory, 50% of people with BDD have been shown to develop a preoccupation with a previously unaffected body part. Constantly comparing your appearance with others and the belief that others take special notice of your appearance in a negative way or mock you. Some or all of these symptoms cause significant distress and impact your ability to function in your daily life. Someone with BDD may recognize that these beliefs about perceived flaws are excessive or false, or they may, or they may be absolutely convinced that they are true. More often than not, the more convinced the BDD sufferer is, the more distress and disruption experienced. BDD may include a preoccupation with one or multiple perceived flaws. Common fixations include, but are not limited to, hair, such as appearance, thinning, and baldness, face, such as nose, complexion, wrinkles, acne, and other blemishes, skin and vein appearance, breast size, body size or weight, muscle size or tone, and genitalia. There is no exclusive cause for BDD that clinicians can point to, but most researchers conclude it is a delicate biological, sociological, and psychological blend of risk factors. If you have blood relatives with BDD or OCD, which is obsessive-compulsive disorder, you may be more likely to develop it. Further, childhood teasing, neglect, or abuse, specifically regarding one's appearance, may trigger BDD later in life. Those with body dysmorphic disorder tend to be perfectionists and feel a heightened societal pressure of beauty or physical appearance. BDD sufferers tend to have abnormal levels of brain chemicals, specifically with regard to the malfunctioning of the serotonin in the brain. Having other mental health conditions, such as anxiety or depression, may accompany a BDD diagnosis, suggesting a biological basis for the disorder. Comorbidity, which is the presence of two or more simultaneous mental health disorders, may complicate the suffering of and recovery from BDD. Body dysmorphic disorder can be accompanied by major depressive or other mood disorders, suicidal thoughts and behavior, anxiety disorders, such as social anxiety disorder, OCD, eating disorders, substance abuse, physical complications, if compulsive behaviors like skin picking is involved, and the risk of disfigurement due to repeated surgical interventions. BDD is listed in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders in the 5th edition, the DSM-5. It is listed under the heading Obsessive, Compulsive, and Related Disorders. 
It is similar to OCD in that BDD can lead to ritualistic behaviors, such as mirror checking or skin picking. These compulsions are generally fueled by recurring and distressing thoughts, fears, or images that the individual may not be able to control. Understandably, BDD is often considered to be on the obsessive-compulsive spectrum. BDD is not classified as symptomatic of an eating disorder, despite these disorders' shared core feature of disturbed body image. Quote, Both disorders involve intrusive thoughts about appearance, dissatisfaction with appearance, and an overemphasis on appearance in the evaluation of self-worth. End quote. Not everyone with an eating disorder will develop body dysmorphic disorder. Similarly, not everyone with BDD will develop an ED. These disorders can overlap, yes, but they are not, but they are mutually exclusive. Typically, a person with BDD is concerned about a specific body part, while a person with an eating disorder may worry about their weight or the overall shape of their body. Yet a person with an eating disorder may pinpoint specific problem areas, of which later become the focus of body dysmorphic disorder. Researchers have estimated that as many as 12% of people with BDD also have anorexia nervosa or bulimia nervosa. People with BDD and anorexia specifically appear to actually see themselves differently than other people do. They focus on tiny details when looking at faces, bodies, or other objects. The intersection of body dysmorphic disorder and eating disorders is complicated. It generally involves a perception of part instead of the whole. Additionally, it is estimated that one-third of individuals with body dysmorphic disorder also struggle with an eating disorder at some point in their lifetimes, and research suggests that at least some of the symptoms of BDD may appear in 25% of those with anorexia for at least six months prior to the eating disorder emergence. For those who suffer from this specific type of comorbidity, eating disorders and body dysmorphic disorder, an aggressive treatment plan is usually necessary. Individuals with both have been found to have more severe psychopathology. Quote, Based on the available evidence, women with both disorders are more severely ill than those with anorexia but not, bin, but not body dysmorphic disorder. In the only study of this question, 16 patients with both disorders were compared to 25 women with anorexia alone. Those who had anorexia plus body dysmorphic disorder had significantly poorer functioning, had been psych- psychiatrically hospitalized more often, and had three times the rate of suicide attempts. End quote. Thus, someone with both an eating disorder and body dysmorphic disorder must be differentiated clinically, as their treatment may differ from one with exclusively body dysmorphic disorder or exclusively an eating disorder. As mentioned before in episode 16, Eating Disorders in Midlife, and episode 18, Males in Eating Disorders, Men can develop what is known as muscle dysmorphia, which is a form of body dysmorphia. It is characterized by a preoccupation with muscle development and excessive exercise. Muscle dysmorphia is associated with a fear of not being muscular enough and may result in symptoms such as compulsive exercise, protein supplementation, dietary restriction, and the use of supplements or performance-enhancing drugs and steroids. 
Diagnosis of BDD can be tricky because people with the disorder often are embarrassed and reluctant to tell doctors about their concerns. If you believe you or someone you love might be struggling with BDD, consider taking a self-assessment or screening questionnaire. One can be found at this link, and I will also place it in the show notes. The link is bddfoundation.org forward slash helping dash you forward slash questionnaires dash do dash I dash have dash BDD forward slash. The website says, quote, Only a trained health professional can make a diagnosis of body dysmorphic disorder, but the questionnaire can help guide you and your health professional or be used as a measure of the severity of your symptoms before and after any treatment, end quote. Body dysmorphic disorder is generally treated in psychotherapy, which is a type of individual counseling that focuses on changing the thinking, cognitive therapy, and behavior, behavioral therapy, of a person with BDD. BDD is generally treated in psychotherapy, which is a type of individual counseling that focuses on changing the thinking, cognitive therapy, and behavior, behavioral therapy, of a person with BDD. The goal is to correct the false belief about the defect and minimize any compulsive behavior. In addition to psychotherapy, medications may be prescribed to address the chemical abnormalities in the brain of someone with body dysmorphic disorder. Antidepressant medications, called selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, SSRIs, show promise in improving symptomology, yet no drug is formally FDA-approved for the treatment of body dysmorphic disorder. Family support and group therapy may also be crucial in treatment, as their understanding and recognition can prompt healing in the life of one struggling with BDD. Quote, Because BDD is a mental illness associated with high morbidity and mortality, early intervention is crucial for recovery, overall improved functioning and quality of life, and improved prognosis, end quote. Jenny Schaefer is a best-selling author and eating disorder recovery advocate, whose books include Life Without ED, Goodbye ED, Hello Me, and Almost Anorexic. She writes, quote, A body doesn't have to be a prison. Instead, our bodies can be precious vehicles for life, end quote. I would like to feature a poem about one's experience of body dysmorphia. I've shared this poem before on episode 7, Eating Disorders During Quarantine, yet feel it's even more relevant today, given our episode topic. Anna Paula shared a poem surrounding her experience with body dysmorphia on her Instagram at Anna Paula, A-N-A-P-A-U-L-A dot Aguilarv, A-G-U-I-L-A-R-V. It really resonated with me as it reflected my own experiences with body dysmorphia. It provides an interesting glimpse into the mind of one suffering. Anna writes, Some days, dysmorphia gives me my eyes back. Some days, it makes me see what I've lost. It makes me remember all that I had. Some days, it lets me realize how much I've lost, and I'm not talking about my weight. 
Some days, it lets me realize I've lost my life. I lost weight and everyone congratulated me, when in reality they were just applauding the fact that I can't see real life anymore. I'm so consumed by my dysmorphia that when I see my weight, I think the scale is wrong. They're happy I'm healthy now, when in reality it's the sickest I've been in my life. Oh, dysmorphia, let go of my sight, let go of my mind, let go of me, please, I'm begging you. Don't let me wake up some days only to see what I've lost. Let go of me and let me be free. Thank you, Anna, for allowing me to share your tremendous poem on HTIL. Feel free to reach out to her at our Instagram, at annapaula.aguilarv, and let her know how much you loved her poem. If you would like to learn more about what sources I used in the discussion of body dysmorphia, my citations will be placed in the show notes. Next week, HTIL will discuss what it means to celebrate weight gain in recovery and look at the body positivity and body neutrality movements. Tune in on Friday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern. All new episodes of HTIL will be uploaded to Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google, and Google Podcasts by 11.59 p.m. each Sunday night if you miss the live broadcast. Feel free to return to old episodes by visiting these sites. If you would like to listen to my own eating disorder story, you can listen on any of these platforms. Please consider sharing the podcast with family, friends, or those who you feel could specifically benefit. If you or someone you love might be struggling with an eating disorder, know that you have my full support in recovery and consider seeking treatment. If you feel treatment may be inaccessible to you, please consider seeking support through Project HEAL, which is the largest nonprofit in the United States delivering prevention, treatment financing, and recovery support for those struggling with eating disorders. Disordered eating has ruled my life for nearly six years, and I didn't think anything would ever be able to come in between that. Treatment did, and treatment does. If you are in a crisis situation, please contact NEDA's helpline by texting NEDA to 741741. HTIL has its very own Instagram and Twitter accounts, so if you would like to suggest your own episode topic or interact with the podcast further, please feel free to follow on Instagram at Heavier Than I Look and at Twitter at HTIL Podcast. If you're interested in sharing your own story as a feature on the show, please direct message me on Instagram or Twitter. Don't be afraid to reach out. I would love to hear from you. My podcast, Heavier Than I Look, aims to empower survivors, educate listeners, and foster conversations surrounding eating disorders and body dysmorphia. Eating disorders demand silence. Yet this podcast is an attempt to de-isolate and destigmatize a survivor's experience by giving a voice to each story. We must abandon a quantitative numerical definition of identity and reclaim our self-definition to exist beyond the numbers that rule our lives. In this way, HTIL is a space of healing, recovery, and storytelling. Let us no longer wonder how little space we can comprise, but instead wonder how to make that space one filled with love and sympathy. Goodbye for now.